Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. That's fantastic. All right, open up your Bibles. Mark chapter 10, as Mark said. And we are going to get into the Word. We'll be up on the screen as well. For those of you that happen to forget to bring your Bibles, that's okay. No judgment. (laughs) All right, Mark chapter 10, we're going to read it through. Uh, Verse 46, as... Mark beautifully did. Uh, Then they came to Jericho, that's a whole crowd, Jesus and his disciples and a whole crowd. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And after watching that video, I've retitled this sermon, Why Bartimaeus Threw Away His Cloak. Let's pray and then we will move into the word. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for who you are and all that you have done, all that you are doing. Thank you for all that you are yet to do. Um, And as Mark said, we have new life because of the death of your son, Jesus, on the cross. This gift that you freely give, we freely receive. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, hear you speaking to us in this time, that we would draw closer to you through your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did you know there are people in this world today that choose to wear glasses for fashion's sake? Crazy. I don't know why you would choose to put these on your face. Now I'm aware we have an optometrist in our midst. I didn't think we did, but then I was like, oh, no, cat's on prayer, so there will be one in the house. Why would you choose to put a pair of these on your face if you didn't have to? They, I was thinking of reasons why they're no good. Or like they're good, clearly I can see. That's helpful. That's a benefit for everybody else on the road. They are annoyingly tricky with masks. They fog up really bad. If you're outside and it's raining... They're useless. They get in the way if you're trying to kiss. Maybe that's worse if both of you wear glasses. I don't know. But it occurred to me. Well, this is going down here fast. So I needed a volunteer. So I was like, I need somebody that's not wearing glasses. And then I saw Sarah Korf. She doesn't wear glasses. And then she admitted it's been a long time since she had an eye test. So Sarah, can you come and join me? Kat will be talking to you after the service. <laughs> now, I've got a second pair of spectacles. No, yeah, you can take the mask off, so everyone... This is Sarah, everybody. Not everybody will know Sarah. Reinhard's up the back mixing vision for us at the moment. Can you, now, apparently... So you've got good vision. 
We'll call it 2020 for the sake of the uh, exercise. But apparently if somebody puts my glasses on, they see what it's like for me without glasses. Is that pretty close, Kat? Or am I just making it up? All right. So this is one of the cases where it does work, right? Thanks, Kat. All right. So you put these on and you'll see what it's like for me, apparently, without glasses. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's really bad. Now, you can't all see this and these are thinned down. How are you going there? Don't walk too far. Can you see how thick they are at the side? This is how blind I am. Can you see how thick that glass is? You can't see that. You won't be able to see anything right now. <laughs> I'm very bad, all right? If I've, if I've got to read, it's pretty, how are you going? Yeah. Is it a bit disorientating? Yeah. Okay, you can take them off. You look good with glasses. Yeah, thank you. You can go and sit down. That's why people do it for fashion, but I just don't understand why you would do that. They are so annoying. Well, they're not, because you can see. There's parts of them that are annoying. But as I read through this text and I was thinking about glasses and being able to see and how we do see and the importance of actually being able to see from another person's perspective. And I was, I was talking to Simon before the service. Our perspective is so very narrow and limited, I think, I hope. Well, I know my own experience is the older I get, the more I realise how my own perspective is extremely limited. And so one of the blessings, one of the beauties of community is that I actually get to lean in on other people's uh, perspective and understand how other people see things. And I'm not just limited to how I see things. It's beyond just a, a thing that happens um, for the fun of it, but it becomes, it's not life and death, but it becomes uh, communities richer when we can actually understand where other people are coming from. Community is better. Life is better when we can understand what is happening for other people and the circumstances that they find themselves in. We have the story today of blind Bartimaeus, um, and he has a very limited perspective. He is a blind man sitting by the side of the road, begging, not an uncommon occurrence in this day and age. There would have been plenty of people begging, and that was how they would have financed their way through life. And he puts himself um, near where there would be a crowd passing by, more very likely to be leaning on their charity uh, and to receive from them. Now, I want to kind of zoom out a little bit. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark uh, for the entirety of this year, and we'll continue to zoom right through to the end of this year. Uh, I want to zoom out uh, and look at the whole of the Gospel of Mark. Early on, you might remember way back in January when we started in Mark, and one of the elements, we talked about the different elements that make Mark unique as a gospel, as a story, is the fact that he taught, he's got this kind of secret about Jesus. So Jesus will heal somebody and then tell them, don't tell anybody. Go on your way and don't tell anybody. So a few weeks ago, we looked at the, um, another healing from Jesus um, of a blind man. I think it's in Mark chapter 8. Uh, yes, it is. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Uh, I'll just quickly read through it. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he'd spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. 
and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Now, just interesting. So we've got two stories, Mark 8, Mark 10, of two separate people being healed of blindness. One we don't know the name of and one we do. And I was thinking about that. Why, would we, why does one get named? And we'll actually get to the name of Bartimaeus a bit more. Um, and my thought was, Bartimaeus was known to Peter and Mark who actually tell this story. So one guy they know, they know about the one in Mark 8, but they actually know Bartimaeus, maybe on a personal level, in Mark chapter 10. So here we have a blind man being healed, and Jesus clearly says to him, don't go into the village. Don't tell anybody. Immediately following that, Mark 8, 27, there's a lot of Bible um, in today's message. Uh, Mark eight twenty seven. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. What about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. So here's Jesus and Mark's idea of a messianic secret. Jesus is the Messiah, but he doesn't want anybody to know until the right time. So we've got blind man being healed. Peter reveals, you are the Christ. Jesus says, Shh, keep it a secret. And then in the next chapter, chapter 9, which we looked at a few weeks ago, we have Jesus, uh, James, John and Peter on the mount when Jesus goes through transfiguration. He has a catch up with uh, Moses and Elijah, freaks out the three disciples that are there with him, um, and they get to see Jesus in his fully resurrected self. It is a full revelation of who Jesus is in his full glory. And at that moment, the Gospel of Mark pivots, which is a popular word these days. Um, but the Gospel of Mark pivots and Jesus more, is more inclined to reveal who he is and his mission as the Messiah of the world. And so as he starts to heal people, people don't have to keep it a secret. Who Jesus is becomes more and more apparent for the crowd around him. So we get to Mark chapter 10 and the story of blind Bartimaeus and there's a whole crowd milling around watching him, watching this take place. Bartimaeus, uh, you'll see there it says um, in verse 46, uh, Mark actually provides a narration and says, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus. So he's kind of pointing to his heritage. For some reason, Mark's pointing to where Bartimaeus has come from. Um, The main thinking around Timaeus seems to be the name means filth or disgust. So... Bartimaeus, son of filth, son of disgust. That's not fun, is it? Like, that's not an appealing name. So you can imagine people would know this and see a blind man. Many considered blind people to be unclean. They considered the the rabbis of the day would think that you were blind because of the sins of your fathers or your grandfathers. Going back to um, a law in Exodus 34 that said that the sins of the fathers will carry through to the third and fourth generation. And so they believed that if the fathers or the parents messed up and sinned, 
in some way, shape or form, then that would actually reveal itself in their children, often through physical disability. And so they had the thinking, of, well, if you're blind, and we can see this in the Gospel of John, if you're blind, it's because your parents sinned. And so they might have had this sinking towards Bartimaeus. So some would have shown pity on him and given to him as, they, as he sat there begging for alms. And others would have said, mate, you're on your own. You got yourself into this mess or it's because of your parents that you're in this mess. So tough luck. And so the crowd, we can see the crowd walking past. And there's even the sense Jesus and the disciples walk past until Bartimaeus is calling out. And it strikes me that the son of disgust is calling out to the son of David. And one of the other aspects that we see time and time again through the Gospel of Mark, and I think this is really important for us to highlight, alongside the messianic secret is the people that are meant to the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the rabbis of the day, are all the ones who do not see Jesus for who he truly is. They just think he is like a rebel rouser. They think that he's there to make trouble. They just, the Pharisees want to kill him. The rabbis want to argue with him and just bring him down. And the closer Jesus gets towards the end of his life, the more they're heightened in their mission. And the people that shouldn't understand who Jesus is are the ones that see him for who he truly is. The blind people, the lame, the, the prostitutes, the sinners the tax collectors, those who are outside the kingdom of God, those who are outside the the religious elite are the ones who see Jesus for who he truly is. And so in this, we have the crowd following Jesus. It's easy to follow the crowd when they're all going in the same direction. The crowd following Jesus and the disciples all going along with him and over by the side, over by the side of the road, begging so he can have enough money to live on is an outcast from society. And he's the one, he's the only one in the Gospel of Mark that actually refers to Jesus as the son of David and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus obviously has not seen any of the miracles that Jesus has performed, but he's heard about them. He's heard who Jesus is and what he's like. And somewhere along the line, Bartimaeus, either through his teaching or through conversations with others or through his own upbringing, his thoughts go back to a prophecy in Isaiah that points to one that's going to come from the throne of David, who's actually going to restore his people, who's going to help the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, and the blind to see. And here he is waiting by the roadside with his cloak. His cloak would be out um, collecting arms during, um, collecting um, money during the day. That's what people would throw money into as they walk past. And that would be what it would keep him warm during the night. And as the crowd walks past, he's the one that identifies Jesus is coming by. Not by what he sees, but by what he's heard. I read this and and I'm I'm provoked, I'm encouraged to more and more not to just go along with the crowd. And there's a lot of crowd noise, especially these days, about who, how we should live our lives and what it means to be popular and what that looks like. And I think quite often the crowd gets it wrong. And Jesus didn't call us to be followers of a crowd, but he called us to actually be set apart and to recognize him for who he truly is. And here we have Bartimaeus, a blind man. 
Bartimaeus, son of filth. Bartimaeus, the outcast, who recognises the son of David, the Messiah, who is passing him by. We go in a little bit closer and we see right before this, as uh, Damien shared last week, is the request of James and John. James and John, um, part of the inner sanctum for Jesus' 12 disciples. And in last week, as Damo shared, James and John have a request of Jesus. Uh, this is Mark chapter 10, verse uh, 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? Can you go back to the previous slide, please, Olivia? Thank you. Um, I want to highlight a few things that are similar between James and John, two guys walking with Jesus, doing life with Jesus, and blind Bartimaeus. They both make requests of Jesus. As Mark so beautifully illustrated in the video, there's Bartimaeus crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus recognises the one that can actually extend mercy to him. James and John, the two disciples that are walking with Jesus day after day, they've been with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen the miracles and they say, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. Jesus responds to both James and John and Bartimaeus the same way. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? James and John and Bartimaeus all recognize Jesus for who he is to an extent. James and John recognized the teacher. Remember, the disciples all the way through Jesus' life could not get their heads around the fact that Jesus was heading towards his own death and the fact that three days after that he would be raised from the dead. They struggled with that the whole time through his ministry until the very end. And so they get to do life and ministry with Jesus, experience the highs and lows, and they say, teacher, we want, you to, we, want, we want what we ask. We want you to do what we ask. And Bartimaeus is at the end of his rope and says, Rabbi, son of David, have mercy on me. James and John and Bartimaeus were all blind. It's just that Bartimaeus was physically blind. James and John were actually blind to the reality that was before them in the person of Jesus Christ. And I wonder sometimes, I read this and I'm like, how often am I actually blind to who Jesus is and what he wants to do in my own life? That I've spent, I've been a follower of Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus more than 30 years ago. And there are still times that I get fixated on my own perspective, my own requests, my own desires of what I might want for Jesus rather than actually coming into completely under his lordship and recognizing who he is as the Messiah, as the son of David, as the son of God, as the anointed one, as the one who can actually extend mercy to me far more than just what he might be able to do for me in glory. And I read the story of James and John and then blind Bartimaeus and I'm like, hmm. How often do I, am, I more, am I more like James and John where I'm like, Jesus, can you do this for me? Rather than, Jesus, 
I need this from you in order to be who you made me to be. I need your mercy in my life so I can move forward. Mark was right. Bartimaeus threw away his cloak and followed Jesus. That was all he had. That was all he had. And I'll read this if we go back to chapter 10, earlier in chapter 10. Um, and Jesus has been teaching his disciples about the rich young man um, who came up to him and said, Jesus, you know, what do I have to do to have eternal life? What do I have to do to have complete glory? And Jesus says, you know, go and sell everything and give it all to the poor and then come follow me. And it was too much for the rich young man. And then Jesus looks at his disciples. This is our verse 27 in Mark chapter 10 and says, with man, it is impossible to be saved, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And Peter says to Jesus, Peter, the man on fire for God, and says, we have left everything to follow you. And they had. The disciples had left absolutely everything to follow and be in relationship with Jesus. And here is this blind guy, completely ridiculed by society, completely forgotten. And you can see they're rebuking him. And him Shh. He doesn't, like, don't, don't annoy the rabbi and he leaves everything that he has it's just a cloak but to him that was everything that was the way that he would collect money that people would give him that's what would keep him warm at night and in Bartimaeus we see absolute complete reliance on who Jesus is as his Lord and Savior he's like I'm just gonna I'm abandoning everything that I had all I had was his cloak he's literally he's got the clothes on his back to follow Jesus What is it that gets in the way of us leaving everything behind to actually fall in step with the life that Jesus has when he says, follow me? And it might be a little, it might be a lot. It's not actually the stuff, it's our attitude towards it. And Bartimaeus was so, well, he went from being blind to being able to see and have full recognition for who it was that was before him so he could actually leave his cloak behind and be completely devoted to the one that extended mercy and grace to him. It completely changes his life. Following Jesus is not an optional extra that we tack on to the life that we're living. Following Jesus is meant to actually transform every aspect of our lives. It's not just we put on a different pair of glasses and so we have a different fashion trend for a while. We, have a, we participated, as Narelle shared at the start of the service today, we had a, a full day of um, love after marriage yesterday and nearly 12 hours for couples to get together and work on their marriage, work on themselves as much as anything um, and just to be ministered to by, by God. Uh, and there's one time they talk about some ministry, a lot of it's video-based teaching, and they talk about some ministry they were doing with, with somebody who was having a hard time seeing themselves as God sees them. And they were just completely down on themselves. Just completely hung up on the lies that the enemy would bring into them. And so they did a prophetic act of like popping their eyes out. It kind of sounds weird, I know, but this transformed this person's life. That they took their eyes out and received from Jesus his eyes to see themselves as he sees them. 
to see themselves as he sees them. Second Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, we no longer regard anyone or anything from an earthly perspective. But now, having been reconciled to God through Christ Jesus, we see things as he sees them. We need a transforming of the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see one another, the way that we see the world around us so that we're not caught up in the things that might weigh us down, whether that might be a cloak that is the only way that we get by through to the riches of this world, all these things that hold us back and restrict us from living the life that God has called us to live and to share the good news that he would want us to share. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Have you ever heard uh, the expression that talks about blind faith? Faith isn't blind. Faith is actually the most ideal way to see. This is Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Now Hebrews 11, most of us would know that Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith and it goes through a lot of the uh, people from the Old Testament and talks about how they exercise their faith, how they lived lives of faith, completely devoted to following God, even though they didn't get to see the end result that they were promised. And you read through that and you end up in Hebrews 12 verse 1 and it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, because there are so many that have gone before us who have lived lives of faith and have not even seen the result that they were waiting for and hoping for, let us join with them. Let's not be weighed down by the things of this world. Let's throw off the shackles of sin that will hold us back and keep us from following Jesus and fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of faith. Um, Can you go back to that slide that says author and perfecter of faith, please? Some translations will have uh, um, the pioneer, oh, this has got pioneer and perfecter, perfecter of our faith. Our isn't actually in the original Greek. Jesus isn't the author and perfecter of my faith or your faith. Jesus is the author and perfecter of faith itself. My faith doesn't come from me. Faith is a gift from Jesus. It is by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Bartimaeus could look and see, look in the spiritual and see who Jesus was, leaning on the testimonies of those that have gone before him to know the one that was before him in that moment and declare with complete faith, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. While the ones around him, the ones that were watching, were blinded to an extent to who they were spending time with. In some ways they knew it, they could see the potential, but they couldn't fully realise who Jesus was as the fulfilment of all the prophecies of the ones that had gone before him to get to this point as the ones that could actually extend them 
mercy rather than glory. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Will you stand with me? I had a sense just preparing today, even if you're watching online, those in the room, if you just want to close your eyes um, where you are, I just had a sense that people that are struggling, and I think as Gary mentioned, there are a lot of people struggling right now, but particularly for people that might be suffering, um, maybe it's not even complete blindness, but you're just having trouble seeing, trouble with your eyes. Maybe you can't hear properly, hear fully. Maybe there's some other problem in your body that you've just accepted, well, that's the way it is and it's never going to get any better. And just in the preparation, that we just create a space in this moment that we would, um, in faith, receive mercy from the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. So if that's you, I just want to, whether you're watching online right now, you're watching this later on, or you're in the room right now, I just want you to put your hands out as though you're going to receive from Jesus Christ himself. And I just want to pray over you. And we, Father, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that by your stripes we are healed. For those people right now waiting to receive from you, Lord, thank you for the price that you paid, that we could have eternal life with the Father, we could have full healing, restoration and reconciliation. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we especially thank you for the gift of life that we have because of your Son. And for those perhaps that don't have that relationship with you, that haven't declared you as Lord and Saviour of their own life, we pray in this moment that they would turn to you and say, Jesus, I receive your gift of life. I receive you as Lord of my life. I say yes to you and submit my life to you. Holy Spirit, come. God, give us eyes to see what you see. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. We want to be like Jesus who only did what he saw you doing, who only said what he heard you saying. God, we want to follow you so closely. Help us to not be part of the crowd that tries to push people away, but respond when you say, Come. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us in this season especially that we would experience your peace that surpasses understanding. We'd know what it is to rejoice always. We would know what it is to give thanks in everything. And through this, we would have peace that surpasses understanding. Give us the strength to throw off the sin that so easily entangles and receive your peace Thank you, Jesus.